warning, hour number two of the uh, legal show, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534, handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. You know, it's, I was just talking to uh, Blake and Sam, and we were uh, talking about how long I've been doing this show, and it started just about when radio started. My home station, uh, KFI, one of the first stations, incidentally, in uh, the United States, one of the first to be granted license, I think it was 1922, which is why it has only three letters. There's only a handful of stations in the entire country have three letters. You know, usually it's four letters. KXUV, right on the West Coast, west of the Mississippi, and it's W, uh, east of the Mississippi, which is very interesting because you think West would be W, and but it's it's not. So anyway, I've been doing this a long time. We were talking about it. Most of you weren't even born yet, even your 50-year-olds. Uh, people who are retired now weren't born yet. I know. Go figure. All right. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Oh, here's one, and I really enjoy this. Uh, big time. Where the where's this story? Uh, here we go. It's uh, the case of Elon Musk and the farting unicorn, and you wonder how that uh, that is connected. Well, uh, there is an artist out of Colorado who created uh, this image of a unicorn powering an electric car uh, with its own gas. Right, the unicorn farts created the gasoline. Uh, that powered the electric car. Well, you know, go figure that one out. So, uh, and on the mug, it says, uh, electric cars are good for the environment because electricity comes from magic. All right, so there's Elon Musk, who uh, tweeted, maybe my favorite mug ever. A month later, he tweets uh, a picture of that same farting unicorn, uh, unicorn that appears as a doodle, and apparently drawn from a sketch pan. Uh, pad. All right. So then the farting unicorn appears as an app icon on the Tesla console screen and on Tesla's annual Christmas card last year. So, of course, uh, you've got Mr. Edwards gets a lawyer and uh, then writes to uh, Tesla and Musk, please don't take this as a shakedown and then promptly try to shake him down. What we are seeking instead is a discussion and a mutual decision in the way to value the past and continuing use of the image in a way that both sides can feel good about. In other words, I'm shaking you down. You've got a lot of money. You used uh, my client's farting unicorn uh, farting unicorn image. And uh, we want to have a discussion as to uh, the value and what you've done in the past. Isn't that hilarious? God, I love that one. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call or two. Uh, Mike, there you go. We'll start with you. Hello, Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Hey, hi. I have a situation here where my ex-wife divorced me about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that usually happens when you talk about ex-wives. 
Yeah, you got that right. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, we have three kids involved that are 17, 15, and 13. So I figured, you know, she that doesn't want to give us the divorce because we're still living together. Um, but Wait I, a minute. She doesn't want to give you a divorce. Uh, she can't well, no, stop. She gave, she, she gave me divorce. Oh, okay. I told to do it. So we did get the divorce. It was final November 11th last year. All right, uh, you so, know what? We're, so, we're, this is a horrible line. You're you're breaking uh, all over the place. Are you driving? Yes, I am, but I'm in the area. I should be uh, ready to talk to you. Okay, okay, that's better. Here. All right, here we go. We're better now. Go ahead. So, so anyway, so the court uh, awarded the, the uh, divorce to us uh, about a year and a half ago, and um, you know, I hope in the hopes that my family they don't even want to talk to me right now because I decided to keep trying to work this out because of our kids. Um, I'm leasing a home. Uh, we don't own it, but it's a month to month. I've been there about four years now. She's been a year and a half, and I've asked her to help pay. Uh, she gets a job and stays two months, then quits. She's been running a month and everything, so I finally had enough. I know that we're not going to work it out. My kids are upset. So what I'd like to do is, and I'd like to know, I want, she owes me $7,300. That's six fifty a month for a year because that's as far as I can go back. And can I, as just a tenant, file an eviction? Well, yes, you can, uh, but I don't think a judge is going to give it to you. Uh, I, I think what you have to do is get a court order tossing her out because here she is, the mother of the children. You want to throw her out. Uh, she can argue I'm there taking care of the kids, especially the younger ones. So it's a question of uh, she should be tossed out. Incidentally, is the lease in your name only? Uh, the lease, the lease was uh, four years ago. Was in both our names. Yeah, you got a problem. A, You've got a problem. Was, you have no more. She has as much right to toss you out as she has to toss as you has to toss her out. Well, you know, my kids don't want. To it doesn't have matter. To do it, it doesn't right matter. It doesn't matter. It's an issue where you both signed onto the lease. Yeah, but where's the issue that she's not offering any help to help me pay this it, rent? I'm it does it Well, then you, then you can move and you can go to court who will order her to pay the rent or you can try to collect it from her. But I don't think a court is going to toss her. Right. I don't, I don't believe you can't evict someone who is on the lease. Well, the lease is expired. I understand. But, it's, but, but so uh, at what point do you think you have the right to throw her out? Because all of a sudden you have a lease in which it has expired that had both your names in it, and now you're saying, I want you out. What if she says, I want you out? Well, I mean, do I have the right to... to no, uh, no, know, have a, have, no. Well, saying, do I have the right to make her pay the rent? Yes, that's you do. Paid. Yes, you do. And that's... Yes, well, you I mean, do. Why should I not be her husband and not be her partner and then pay her there, rent? It, it, we're talking two different things. Morally, she should pay the rent, and then legally, you can't throw her out. Okay. All right. There you go. And uh, see if she'll leave. She won't. And the, and the other situation is you leave and uh, get another place. And uh, she can sit there and not pay the rent and get evicted. You know, go figure. Oh, you know what? Let's take an early break. And uh, or not. What do you think, Blake? Early? Not. He doesn't care. Ugh. Am I going too long? Am I not going too long? Uh, do I just sit here and hem and haw until it's time for a break? Do I tell a joke? You know, do I tell a religious joke? Right? Because I, I love Jewish jokes. Because I happen to be of that persuasion. So let me go ahead and tell one, okay? Just real quick before we take a break. So two Jews walk past the bar and they buy it. All right. 
This is Handle on the Law. Morning handle here, uh, right up until eleven o'clock. Eight hundred five two zero one KFI. Eight hundred five two zero one five three four. And uh, welcome back to Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Carl, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Yes. Uh, here's my question. Um, I had a bicycle stolen from my apartment complex. Um, it's a um, it's a pretty Upscale apartment. Uh, I pay two thousand dollars a month. They have all these security features. Um, the bike was in a secured bike room that you need a key fob to get into. Um, I feel as though they have a responsibility since it was a theft that took place on their property. Uh, their attitude is that you know, hey, these things happen, and that's right. on you. All right. So uh, you're arguing that their security wasn't enough. All right. Correct. And uh, there's a key fob to get in. And uh, what more should they have done to make sure that your bike wasn't stolen? What is what is a reasonable amount of security you think they should have provided? Um, the key fob situation, I think, um, obviously, this guy got in there somehow. No, I get it. Someone uh, we... someone was able to hack into that key fob or grab one yeah. and copy it or make a clone or whatever or steal it. What do you right. think the apartment building should have done in addition to what they're doing to secure that bicycle or to make that place more secure? Uh, well, they have round-the-clock security. Oh, which, uh, okay. So, yeah, okay. So that wasn't working. So they weren't there at the moment the bike was stolen. So how about this, Your Honor? They should have had a guard 24 hours a day right outside that area to make sure no one steals it. And what if the guard goes to the bathroom? Well, they should have a backup guard to make sure that even when the guard takes his break, you see how, where, where do you stop? What am right. I telling you? You're SOL. You have no case. <laughs> Thank you. See, that's the problem. Something happens and the apartment building says, hey, stuff happens. Probably not even using the word stuff. If I were the manager, I would get a little bit more colorful than that. But the point is, here we have a secure area. We have a, uh, a lock where only you can only get in with a key fob. Uh, we have security, 24-hour security. Uh, and with all that, it's stolen. Uh, the bike is stolen. Okay, now what? See, it's, th- we've reached a point in society where if we fall, if something is stolen, if something happens that's wrong, someone has to pay. If you fall down... Uh, it's never because you're a klutz. That's out of the question. It's someone's fault. Okay. Now let's talk about another, uh, here we go, uh, another property question. Hello, Laura. Hi. Yes. I have a house right outside of a hillside gated community where a wall separates our properties. And in that wall, this community has two drains that drain water onto my property. And in heavy rains, my landscape washes away. So, and this is a, and this week, is a drainage system put in by the uh, the builder, correct? 
By the homeowners of the community, the gated community. Okay, they put they, they put that in after the community was built, after the buildings were built? Yes. Okay. And that's the, that wall's been there probably for the last maybe 20 years. Mm. But they re-landscaped the, the gated area and made this little um, swale that, that dumps the water into my yard. Okay, fair enough. And, and um and in heavy rain yeah no you got it i got it drains and your landscape uh is destroyed okay what's your question my dear so um i recently last year put a driveway there with a swale thinking that that might help it because i went i made it a circular driveway rather than just the other driveway and there used to be a driveway there until 10 years ago and now they're trying to tell me it's because I put the driveway All in. All right. Well, then, then it's a question of uh, you bringing in an expert, and you're going to have to, and uh, prove them wrong. Because they're saying it's because of your driveway. You're saying it's not because of my driveway. All right. Where do we go with that? Because what you're going to do is demand, of course, that they fix the drainage system. And you're going to have to have some reason other than I think or I believe and they're going to have uh, to come up with some reason why it's her fault with the driveway. So you bring in someone who has some expertise, be it a builder, probably a builder, a contract, uh, probably a, a cement, a concrete contractor, I would think. Because you're not going to hire some forensic engineer to deal with it. And uh, that's it. How much do you think it's going to uh, cost to fix uh, the entire drainage system? Well, the odd thing is, is about two months ago, they sent a guy out and he had said something like six or seven hundred dollars and that the board acknowledged that it was their responsibility okay and that all and that all helps now uh how much is it going to cost to fix it well that guy thought it was going to be six or seven all right have you have you gotten someone else to come in and bid it no okay that's what you do find out from someone else to come in with a bid and if it's six or seven hundred dollars you make a complaint and uh, then you sue your own board is it not the law in California that you can't drain onto someone else's property? Uh, it's not, I don't know if it's a law, but it's uh, there's certainly there's negligence. Okay. And it doesn't even matter. It's not a violation of law. You cannot drain. I'd lo- I'd love to see the uh, uh, whatever statute, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's there's damage to your property, and it's, it's caused by someone else. And there is a law that says damage to your property is caused uh, caused by someone else. They have to pay. Uh, and it could even be common law. It's probably in the statute. So okay. it's uh, that's what you have to do is make the claim. Okay. They're going to deny. You're going to bring in some evidence. Uh, you're going to sue them for the six or seven hundred dollars. They're going to make your life miserable uh, because that's what boards can do. And um, that's it. I'm, are, how much money do you have, by the way, Laura? And I'm, I'm talking about generally is six, seven, eight hundred dollars going to really hurt? No. OK, I would suck it up or I would say, how about half? Only to stop the hassle factor. Because if they make your life miserable, Laura, which they have the ability to do, you're going to go, boy, I wish I had paid 700 bucks. That's all. And negotiate (laughs) with them. Now we're talking practical. Based on what you said, they're absolutely responsible. Now do you want to get into a screaming match with them? And that is a a question where if you can afford it and it's no great shakes, at at some point you just suck it up. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Every time I close my eyes too tight It's the fall of 1929 Panic playing out in black and white I feel my 
uh, Saturday morning, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Back we go. More handle on the law. Hey, Benny. Hello, Hello. Benny. Yes, sir. Yeah, good morning, Handel. Yes. Uh, Quick question. Um, I'm in the drug distribution uh, for a lot of medical offices here in Southern California. Um, and I was just told of, that we're going to be um, laid off in a few months because we're going to be outsourced by another company. But we are under a union contract, and in our union book, it states that our company cannot be outsourcing us, and doing they're doing it anyways. Okay. So I'm just trying to see if, uh, if I have anything there. Oh, yeah, I think you do. And I think it's uh, it's, this is the issue here is the union. Have you contacted uh, your union yet, the union rep? Yes, I actually have. And what are they saying? Well, they're actually bargaining right now. Yeah, it makes sense. But, um, you know, we only have a few months left before they let us go, and I don't think, you know, it's just everybody's stressed out within the company. Yeah, but you're going to only do it within the union. You're not going to do it individually. I mean, it's uh, this is a big, big deal. So how many employees are we talking about here? Well, they're actually laying off approximately 38. Okay, well, laying off is very different than outsourcing uh, because they certainly can lay off. There isn't a union contract in the country that says you can't lay off. This is in mm-hmm. France where mm-hmm. if you don't have the work anymore, you still have to keep uh, the union, uh, you still have to keep the worker employed. That doesn't work that way. However, the outsourcing issue is mm-hmm. going to be a very interesting, very interesting legal issue. You can bet the company is going to be, their attorney is going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb and figure out or try to figure out some loophole. And you need people that are very high-end labor lawyers. So it's going to be your union. That's it. That's it. Bottom line, Benny, you're not going to be able to hire a lawyer. I mean, you know, not of that caliber. These guys are six, $800 an hour. Yeah, well, it was well. We were all planning to get together, you know. Yeah, do that. Of course, you do that. Y'all get together and you make a movie, and uh, you get Leonardo DiCaprio uh, screaming, uh, getting up on uh, whatever bench and screaming at people. Yeah, that's what you do. You can get together, but it's still going to be the union that pulls that off. Uh, Sue, hi, Sue. Yes, ma'am. I gave a lady three miniature horses. I gave. Of her course, you did. Now you just now you just gave a lady three miniature horses. Here, have three mini horses. Yes. Oh, that's uh, lovely. Why would you give a woman three miniature horses? What kind of uh, relationship did you have? We're friends. She's also in the business. Uh, I have too many animals. I'm trying to cut down. Okay. Okay. Um, my husband's having some health problems. Okay. Okay. So anyway, I gave her the registration papers and the transfer papers with him. About 10 days later, she called me that one of them was real sick, and then uh, she was having the vet out and everything. This went on for about a week. About a week later, I get a call that the other one's sick, and she wasn't sure what to do or anything. I called her vet, talked with her vet, and between her and the vet, they decided the best thing was for me to pick them up. So I go pick them up. They had two of them ready. I said, no, they came as three. I'm taking three home. So I took all three of them home. My husband went back over the next day, picked up all the papers and everything, the transfer papers and the registration papers. And a few days later, I get a text from her. She wants uh, $1,200 for the board, for the vet bill while they were at Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me me get this right. Did Did the horses transfer, the title to the horses transfer? 
she never did anything with him. She gave him All right, but she just went ahead and uh, took the horses, and now she wants $1,200 for the vet fees, right? And the boarding. I had, All right. I had the papers. They're, got it. All right, what's, what's your question? My question is, is okay, once they got to my house, I still had to have the vet. I wound up having to have the one euthanized. So I have a big vet bill on my right. end. Right, What I want to do is fair. I was thinking, would it be fair and legal if I just figured out what her vet bill, what my vet bill right. was? So, okay. so, so you're... Asked? Somehow you're mixing up fair and legal. Okay. Those two legal? concepts. Legal is when she asks for the money back for the board and care and the vet bills, uh, you have a couple of choices. Uh, you can say no or you can say no thank you, depending on how you're feeling that particular day. I don't think you have any obligation to uh, to pay a dime. She took the horses. Exactly, and they did pick up a virus, the one that All right, died. Then, all right, then there's the other issue. Uh, is she responsible for the horses? But I don't think so because you gave them to her, you decided to take them back, and you had no agreement as to if the horses get sick, who pays for it. So it's uh, I, I think what's going to happen is you don't have a shot at going after her. Uh, because you gave them the horse, and then you, you brought them back, and she doesn't have a shot at uh, at going back. Did you put one down? Yes. Okay, so now uh, there are too many horses. One, well, you're not going to stuff the horse, are you? You're not going to, you know, not going to no, a taxidermist. Oh, yeah. You what? We buried it. What does that mean, you buried it? Buried it. Oh, buried it. I was talking, there's a new verb, to dairy a dog. Hey, where do you bury a mini horse? I mean, that's a pretty good size animal, no matter what. On our property. Do you need a forklift or something to pick up uh, a dead mini horse? Mm, well, they take a tractor and they oh, okay. went into a hill and then they walked it in. All right. came in and gave him the shot and then they cover it. All right. Just wondering how physically it's done. Uh, fair well, enough. well, a lot of them, they take up, you know, to an area that, uh, you know, in the Santa Barbara County that I'll dump them. But uh, we're fortunate where we're able to take care of most of it here. You can bury your own uh, yeah. horse there. Okay. Uh, what was the horse's name? Patches. Patches. So now it's uh, dead patches. Right. Uh, well, I think uh, the... Wait, heart of gold, don't I have? I, I the, uh, the, the, may I uh, I'd just like to say one thing. When I did give them to her and she loaded my I kind of jokingly said to her, I don't, the only thing I don't want to happen is what happened when I gave Sparkle away. And about the same thing happened when I gave another one to oh, my neighbor. So Sparkle, so Sparkle died uh, the same and, way. Well, it was uh, the lady that got Sparkle colic her, and we took it back. She called us. She was only going to pay to have two hey, oil. All right, Sue, Sue, let me interrupt you because we have to take a break. Okay. What does that tell you every time you give away a horse, it dies? I'm not giving dies. anything away anymore. I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, bottom line, legally, no one's responsible for anything legally. Okay. All right, see you later. Patches. My heart goes out to Patches. They buried Patches. This is Handle on the Law. I want to wake here on a Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock, 800-520-1534. Uh, welcome back 
to handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, Bob, you've been sitting there for a while. What can I do for you? Well, my 81-year-old dad just... Now, Bob, you're not on a speakerphone, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, My 81-year-old dad passed away two days ago, leaving my 79-year-old mom uh, in about $26,000 credit card debt over eight cards. Currently, she's going to have about $1,200 a month negative, not including what the payments are on the credit cards. I have the power of attorney on the trust, so I'm the trustee. I'm wondering if I should claim bankruptcy on these cards. Or okay, uh, real quickly, are um, is it well? You're it's is it a revocable or an irrevocable trust? Revocable. Revocable. Well, and uh, well, and you are the trustee of uh, the trust. I have it right. You know what? I don't know if I would. Uh, I, I don't know if I would claim back bankruptcy. They're going to go no place. If your mother's twelve hundred dollars negative, and uh, what what kind of assets does she have? Yeah, they can't. They can't touch that. Uh, so, what else? Uh, she's got a condo that's in the trust that also has a reverse mortgage that's tapped out. Yeah, they're no. She's yeah. They're not going to do anything. Uh, I would just simply write a letter to uh, same letter to all of the cards. Say, hey, here you go. There, there are absolutely no assets here. She's in the negative. Uh, the property is tapped out, and uh, she's living on Social Security. And you guys can do what you want. Go ahead and sue. Don't sue. Uh, whatever. Could they put a lien on the condo? Uh, doesn't, no, they can't. Well, they can put a lien on it, but they're a second position. They'll never see a dime. Okay. Hey, yeah, I so it's. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, when there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Uh, and now I wouldn't worry about it for sure. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to Handle Hello. on the Law. Yes. Hello. Yes. Uh, I have a, a pool that was refiberglassed, um, and now I'm getting osmotic bubbles. Asthmatic I bubbles? It, I didn't know yeah, bubbles have asthma. Asthma. How oh, does no, that work? Like, like osmosis. Oh, osmosis. Oh, see, there you go. You can tell I'm a true expert when it comes to swimming pools. I was about to ask what asthmatic bubbles were oh, about. Yeah. Got it. Okay, now I understand. All right. Okay. All right. So when out. was the, when was the installation done? How long Four ago? years ago. Four years, Four years ago. ago. Is there I have a, a ten-year warranty? Okay, good enough. So you called him out. What they do? He says that he blames it on my pool guy who's putting too much chlorine. All right, that's great. So in the meantime, right, my... great, great. So in the meantime, uh, what you do is you do you think it's the pool guy who did this? No, my pool guy has meticulous records. All right, and it's been within range for the last ten years. All right, how much is it going to cost to fix this puppy? Uh, I don't know, but I paid him ten grand. Well, you have to figure out what it's going to cost to fix it, and it may be replacing the whole thing. I don't know. Yes. You're going to have to have another uh, asthmatic pool company go out there and uh, give you a bid on what it's going to cost to fix uh, okay. or replace. It may be more than okay. $10,000, but if you're going to sue in small okay. claims court, you're going to have to suck up the rest of it. And uh, he can say all day long, it's the pool guy. Oh. So what you do, yeah. did you just fall? No, no. Okay. okay. And what you do is when he goes, it's not our fault, you go, fine. Then countersue against the pool guy. That's Go ahead. And you try to establish that the pool guy's at fault. Oh, by the way, okay. I'm going to testify in favor of the pool guy. That's what oh. you want to say. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's okay. just trying to get out of it. I mean, if it's, uh, if, if it's a defective installation, which it sounds like, I'm taking out your word, uh, and uh, I don't. Now, when you talk about bubbles are coming up, 
No, there's bubbles in the lining. Oh, the water okay. Has gone through the wall. Okay. I just thought there were bubbles, like gas coming Wait, out. Where do I start to sue him? Where do I go? Small claims court. LA. First of all, the, LA's fine. The first thing, okay. anybody, any place is fine. So the first thing you do is you get companies out there and you say, do I have to replace the whole thing? Okay. Can it be repaired? And if I uh, get a couple of bids, and if it turns out that it can be repaired, uh, then okay. you get a bid, and it's going to cost X number of dollars. If it has to be replaced, then you find out how much that costs, and that's what you okay. sue them for. It's okay. that simple. And what ends up happening is anything over $10,000, uh, you have to waive uh, because jurisdictional limits on small claims court is $10,000. I would not go beyond that. Not if it's close, okay. uh, because you're going to have to hire a lawyer, and it gets to be a little crazy. Uh, and it. Uh, that's it. And bring the pool guy as a witness. Yes, he will. He said he's willing to, to testify for me. Yeah, they're just trying to get out of it. You're fine. Okay. Okay, there you go. Uh, there we go. Yeah, I just said that. All right, uh, Georgiana or Georgina, Hello. Bill, I've um, been a AAA member. I've been with AAA insurance since my kids were little, little. They're in their 30s and 40s now. Ever since Obamacare came in, um, they said that they only offer up to 5,000 medical coverage. Uh, if I have an accident and I'm at fault and my passengers um, get hurt, they will only cover up to 5000 max. Okay. Um, is on the uh, – is so does that mean that um, I have – I can be sued? Yes. Yes. You can be sued, of course. And you can be sued. And here's the problem with $5,000 max on that is uh, $5,000 gets you two aspirin tablets in an emergency room these days. I, I know. So, yeah, that's just the cost of doing business. What you want to do is get more uh, medical coverage. They don't give you more. They yeah, I know. I was just about to say, they don't. But that's uh, that's what happens. Yeah, and then uh, they, I said, my friend, because she used to be an insurance underwriter, she said, well, if you get an umbrella policy, uh, then that should cover it. Yeah. I asked them about that, and they said, it, they still want. They still will only cover five thousand. Not with an umbrella policy. The whole point yeah, of an umbrella, an umbrella policy. No, uh, we asked. And the umbrella policy won't cover injuries under those circumstances. Not if I was at fault and it happened. That's the whole point. Is liability. The whole point of an insurance policy is they cover you when you're at fault. They said they would cover five thousand. No, 5, no, you're talking about the, the people that are selling you the umbrella policy, or only or only covering AAA. five thousand dollars. I'm talking about AAA. Then uh, they sell umbrella policies. Yes. Okay. Then you need but, another umbrella policy. You've got to go a to different s- company. Yeah, umbrella policies are not connected to your uh, basic uh, insurance. I have insurance with one company, and I have an umbrella policy with another company. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the umbrella policy. Yes, uh, it should cover it. Yeah. No, you don't have to buy it through there. And people, unfortunately, around here, at one point, people knew what my limits were on my umbrella policy. Every other day, people were jumping in front of my car as I was pulling out of the driveway. This is Handle on the Law.
Pie Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Hot out there. It's going to be even hotter. We're in the middle of a hot spell. Although the rest of the country, I don't know, have you heard or seen the weather reports for the East Coast? I mean, it's crazy humid. and They have a heat index. Like they have a chill, cold uh, chill index where with the wind blowing, it's 20 degrees. You feel 20 degrees colder. Well, if you look at the humidity on the other side of the country, they have a heat index where it feels like it's 190 degrees. I mean, it's really crazy stuff. All right. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. All right. Uh, Case, so this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have new case. Uh, this is out of England, and it only has to do with um, a, a guy who's dealing with the police, and I just happen to like this story. It doesn't have any particular legal importance, but it's just fun. All right, so uh, in England, at Glastonbury, wherever the hell that is, a man is found uh, stark naked in the middle of the road. And uh, the police said, uh, let me tell you, this guy must have taken some acid the way that he is bouncing around. So uh, a witness slows down a van and uh, Liam Robert McDowell runs towards the car, rambling, swearing, starts punching on the hood and the windshield before ripping off a windshield wiper. So the police are called. And uh, there he sat in the middle of the roundabout. They have roundabouts over there. Still with no clothes on. uh, Still clearly under the influence of something. And he's making an obscene gesture saying, it's really important that I effed myself. And so uh, they take him, obviously, to a hospital. And uh, for the record, now he's being interviewed. And now the LSD has worn off. And uh, he, uh, in the statement, said, number one, uh, he couldn't remember committing the offenses, but said clearly, and this is quotes, I was tripping my nuts off. Now, I I have never been stopped by the police while high uh, on acid, although I have done my fair share of uh, drugs in my time. Uh, But one of the things I was pretty careful not to do is to... Two things, Uh, drive while under the influence of either alcohol or various drugs and or run out in the middle of the road, stark naked, pounding on hoods of cars. The other thing is it's just kind of fun because in court, uh, the police officer is going to say and the defendant said, quote, I was tripping my nuts off. Hey. If I'm the judge, I'm going to find that hugely entertaining, and I'm going to give him a break. Well, there you go. All right, uh, time for phone calls. Start with Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Howdy. About a year and a half ago, my significant other fell down the stairs, had a traumatic brain injury. Mm. Uh, I talked to you a couple weeks ago. I said his brother took power of attorney. But under the law, they appoint a surrogate who, who offers like a next to kin who acts to make health care decisions with the same 
as I said, the age with the same power of an agent with the power of attorney. Wait, wait, wait. You asked for you, wait a sec. You asked for power of attorney when you no, say no, no. I'm, I'm not making myself clear. Yeah, you're not. The, your brother is next of kin, and they appoint him as next of kin to make health care decisions if the person doesn't have someone appointed already. Okay, so uh, you are when you say significant other, is this? Are you married? No, we've been together, boyfriend, girlfriend, for 15 years. All right. Um, my, my question is, the brother went to the bank, got his name on the bank account, and stole his pension money. Hmm. I was able, now the bank, they have a change of ownership form that has a scribble for where my boyfriend's signature would have been. And uh, I, he was at a nursing home at the time, so I doubt he, he was an ambulatory. And the VA has declared he is unable to make his own financial decision. Okay, but you have the you you have uh, the brother who is now power of attorney, right? And he went in and cleaned out your significant other bank account. Do I have that right? Right. 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 He did not have power of attorney. He t- he offered he would. He was a surrogate to make health care decisions because okay, there was but no not, one but not, but, okay, but not financial decisions. Is that correct? Right. Oh, as that's I easy. Understand it. All right, that's easy. Me. You call the police. It's straight theft. And you go after the bank because they didn't ask for ID and he didn't have power of attorney unless okay. he was a signatory on the account. Uh, he I, was not. He okay. was not at the time. Yeah, I am a signatory on my mother's account, for example. Uh, and uh, okay. so on, uh, and she gets a monthly pension and Social Security on a, on a regular basis. I clean out her account, but right. uh, but I'm allowed to because I'm a signatory on the account, so I have access to it. What you're saying is he didn't have access to it because the power of attorney did not name him as to a, he had financial decisions. Oh man! Correct. All right, you got an interesting situation. You call the police and you call the bank. How much money are we talking about? We're talking about $12,000. Yeah, well, you call the. I don't know if the police aren't going to do anything for $12,000. They're going to. Right. Yeah, they don't care. But. Yeah, uh, I know. The, they told me it's a civil matter. Yeah, actually, well, it, it's it, actually it, not. Dependent abuse, abuse is, is actually a criminal matter. Yeah, of course it's a criminal matter. The police just don't want to get involved. They'll do that all the time. Right. So uh, it's, it's, going to yeah. the, it's going to the bank. And you complain with the bank. And then if you have to, you tell the bank, I'm going to go to the regulatory authorities and start complaining like crazy. Also, uh, conservatorship is difficult. You can get in. It's uh, you got a mess on your hands. If it was a lot more money, it'd be worth it. I would go after the bank and have them uh, replace the money. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, bank screwed up big time on this one. Hmm, trying to think of. Uh, all right, Carol. Uh, hi, Carol. Yes, yes ma'am. The when do companies stop honoring the lifetime guarantee? When do they? When do they li- stop? Uh, two days ago, they told me they can only send the parts to me, and I have to. What is a guarantee? Re- what is a what is a lifetime guarantee? Read. What does the uh, document read? It says uh, as long as I own the house yeah. and live here. Yeah. Well, but what is? Do they define lifetime guarantee? Uh, I got this document from uh, the builder. Do they? Do they describe what a lifetime guarantee is? Parts, labor, reinstallation, new glass. Do they describe it as anything wrong with the window? We will replace, we will fix. What does the document say? They didn't say specifically. What does the document say? It is a 
the lifetime guarantee is on a piece of paper. Yes. What does it say on the piece of paper? We use only the highest quality building products. Okay. What does it, the piece of paper say about the lifetime guarantee? The guarantee, the windows are guaranteed to stay that way for as long as you own your house. Okay. So it doesn't, there. so it doesn't describe what they'll do. They just uh, guarantee that they'll stay that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I would argue, yeah. What is it going to cost to fix those things? $300. That's your lawsuit in small claims court. I see. I just uh, I asked them to come in. And yeah, yeah. you get a bid. Yeah, it's, it's $300 in small claims court. All right. Uh, you know, it's interesting what guarantees are because you've got parts and labor, one year, three years, lifetime guarantee. And uh, it is, uh, for example, they uh, will cover wear and tear. They won't cover... Uh, negligence, they won't cover. Uh, there's a bunch of things when you talk about lifetime guarantee. When it's just general, hey, we'll replace, as long as you own the house, anything that goes wrong with these windows, we'll fix or we'll replace. And they, But that, they define that as a lifetime guarantee. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Handle here. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Linda, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, hi. Yes. I have an ex-daughter-in-law who was deported to Ecuador about six years ago. She snuck back over the Mexican border about two years ago and was caught and put in jail for another year. Now she's out. She's harassing the heck out of my son. She is always at his work. She sits outside his apartment door for hours. She keeps calling him, threatening to have him killed. She's threatened to have the children um, kidnapped. She's always telling him, um, you know, she has rights, and she's saying now well, that no, she's going to take him to court. First of all, she has she, she has no rights. Uh, that's for starters. Uh, she uh, well, she does have a right to uh, custody, but and, and the, the the kid's an American citizen, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, the police should be called. Certainly We've done that, and they won't do anything. They tell us that unless she makes a real threat, like a knife to his throat or a gun to his head, we have no right. Oh, and she, but talk. but on the record, she says she's going to kill him. Yes. Uh, and they still won't do it. That's not a threat yes. to them. She, That's lovely. She said it in front of my grandchildren. That's great. Grandchildren, that, and she said, and don't don't worry, one of these days you're going to be taken away from him because I'm going to have somebody come get you. Well, that's not true. And then uh, I would call ICE. Okay. I'd call ICE and say, uh, this is a real problem. This is someone who has been arrested, who has come back in the country, who is, uh, this is no joke on this one. This is not. No, this, it's uh, not. And it's convincing the folks at ICE saying, this is a real problem. And uh, okay. hopefully they will pick her up and throw her out again. And uh, actually, it's jail time the third time out. Multiple entries is jail time. That's what I would do at this point. Uh, is Yeah. Good. Thank yeah. you. Okay. I appreciate your Yeah, well, hopefully that helps the cops. Uh, that's not a threat. I'm going to kill you. Uh, we have to have a knife to your throat. How about a knife, uh, someone moving towards me at from 10 feet? No, that's not close enough. Nope, we need six feet or less. I mean, uh, come on, really? Uh, Gene. Hi, Gene. Gene, are you there? I'm here. Yes, ma'am. Can what can I do for you? Uh, so 
My car, someone backed into my car from a parking space, hit the front quarter panel, dented the bumper, and hit the wheel. The insurance company, I took it to their shop for estimation. They put the value of the repairs, the known repairs that could be hidden damage, above the value of the car. Right. They want to, they want to total the car. I don't want to total the car knowing that the engine, according to the mechanic that's been servicing this for decades, says that the engine is perfect. Right. And I have more money invested in that car than they're valuing. Well, that 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 that, you, that doesn't matter. You have more money invested in a car because that has nothing to do with the value of the car. So my question is, what options do I have? All right. I, do you want to keep the car? I do. All right. What happens when you accept the money on a total? The insurance company owns the car. You're giving what them the car. The Pardon? What if I don't accept the money? Then you just simply don't accept the money, and you start negotiating with them. And uh, you're, this is your insurance company or the other side? Um, right now, it's my insurance company. I don't know what they're doing with the then other you, side. Then you get into a, a, a fight with your insurance company. If you have to sue, you sue. Uh, it's not going to help you any. So if you want to keep the car and they want to total the car, which means they then get the car, negotiate with them to buy the car back. But wait a minute. I own the title. How is it? No, no, no. You won't anything? own the title. When they total it, you, they give you the money and you give but them I don't the car. Have to accept it, right? That's correct. And then you say, okay. And they're going to say, fine, take us to court. That's all you can do. They offer you X number of dollars. You're saying no. So how do you get them to pay you what you think the car is worth? In the end, if I just, what if I'm just willing to say that I'm willing to pay for the repairs, but I don't want to salvage title on the car and I want them to keep insuring it? Will they, do you, is that a negotiable point? Sure, everything is negotiable. But if, okay. so they don't have to, wait a second, you're asking them to repair it? No. You'll prepare your. If I say, if I really, really don't want to go to court and I don't, but if I say, fine, then I'll repair the car, I'll take it to your person and have it. Oh, good. Okay. They love it. Oh, they love it. Not salvage, but you insure it for what I have it insured for now. Well, uh, they can say no because an insurance policy only lasts a year. Correct. And they would love not to pay for that car, they would love it. Sure, negotiate with them so they don't have to pay. What do you think? They're going to have a problem with that? No. We insist. Well, I don't want a salvage title on it because if they put a salvage title on it, then I can't get anybody if else. If you are, let me tell you, there will be no salvage title if you simply repair the car. Right. Okay. There, there's no salvage at that point. Okay. How much is the car, by the way, how much is the car worth, you think? Um, I think it's worth, well, I mean, I think I've seen cars, the same car for sale for three um, Three what? Three thousand dollars? Okay. 3, 000, yeah. How much is it going to cost to fix it? It's going to cost probably eighteen hundred to fix it. Okay, that's out of your pocket. I know. All right. If you want to do that, do that. You know, sure they'll negotiate with you. Insurance companies are always open to negotiation, especially when you say, "Don't pay, I'll pay it." Okay. This is handle on the law. Right, Joel, 11 o'clock, 800-520-1534. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, Joe, welcome, welcome. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, I injured my back at home, 
And about six hours into it, I was in so much pain, I had to call paramedics, go to the emergency. I spent one night in the hospital. And so then I went to my primary a few days after that. He went, I did physical therapy, this and that for about a month. And then right after that, I came down with a prostate infection that lasted a while, but I was out of work for a total of two months. So I went to my doctor and I said, hey, um, will you fill out my state disability papers? He says, oh, no, I don't do that. I, I thought, what? And he, he still wrote me a note for two months out of work that I was under his care for my work. And so when he says he doesn't do state disability, I'm like, well, what do I do now? You go to another doctor. Or, okay. or you take the note and you submit that. Now I don't do state. Uh, now I don't do state disability work clearly, but as a matter of fact, I do very little. Little clearly, but it's. Uh, a, I don't know if the paperwork has to be signed by him on the on the form itself, but I don't quite understand what he does. It says he does, he doesn't do disability. Uh, wh- what does that mean? He won't sign the form. He won't set the pay, uh, accept the payments. He's already treated you. Exactly. No, All right. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to fill out the paperwork. Ah, he just doesn't want to fill out the paperwork. Call the disability people and say, I've got a note, and my doctor won't fill out uh, the uh, the paperwork. On the other hand, what you can do is simply take the file and find a doctor who's willing to fill out the form per the notes that uh, he wrote up, including the letter. I mean, you got a couple of choices. I'd call the disability people. That's a weird. I, that's a weird doctor you've got your hands on. I know, and I'm going to get rid of them. But I called disability, and they, they're like, they, they don't know what to do now. And they, what they did recommend the same thing: go to another doctor, which I'm going to do. But the, when you see a new doctor, they won't retro. They won't. Uh, they'll only uh, back you up from the day that they see. Wait, that's not necessarily I'm, true. You can get an opinion from a doctor that um, uh, that he can. I mean, he. There are some doctors that will. And assuming that you can't find a doctor that does this, uh, that means you're going to be denied for disability, and you ask for a hearing instantly. And you go in front of uh, the administrative law, the disability, I think it's a commission you're in front of, and then there's an administrative judge, and you simply say, here you go. Here's my note. Here's the proof I have. Here are my medical records, because you're pulling them, and the doctor has to give you that. And you say, he simply won't fill out the forms. Yeah, I don't know if his issue is that he doesn't... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether what, what his issue is. Uh, you basically have to do a, a, a runaround, uh, an end around about him, and that's that's what I would do. And uh, you go to the, the commission. Let's say you're a commissioner. You go, well, yeah, someone does that. And the doctor goes, I, I, he won't fill out the form with this doctor. So, uh, yeah. All right, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hi. Yes, sir. Hi, I worked at a, a Star Trek department at a major motion picture studio in All right, Hollywood. Say, okay, you say what kind of department? What department? Uh, the archive department. Oh, the archive uh, department. Got it. Yeah, film tape everything. My mother was diagnosed with six months to a year to live, and I had to take uh, time off here and there to uh, attend her. Yep. Um, they begrudgingly gave me the time off. Um and then once I finally uh, got her, and this nearly ended me, by the way, because I was the only one doing it. Finally, I got her into a bed and care facility. As soon as I got her into the bed and care facility, I got uh, laid off. And I was the only one in a very large department to get laid off, and it felt very sketchy to me. Do I have any recourse? Is there a collective bargaining agreement? Are you represented by a union? 
There is a union. Um, Are you a member of never, the union? I am a member uh, of the union, and I have paid up all my dues. Then go to talk. First of all, you start. The first thing you do is talk to your union, and okay. and part of the uh, the bargaining, uh, the elective um, uh, bargaining, uh, the agreement may very cover this. May very well cover this. Saying if someone has to leave for a uh, a family emergency, it is covered, and you get X number of days off, and you're allowed to do it so many times. If it is not covered, they have the absolute right to fire you. They can fire you for any reason they want, including he took too much time off, including we don't care how sick mom is. Pretty heartless. Uh, Totally. Totally. Oh, when did you ever think uh, the law has a heart? Where where were you? Uh, where, Where have you been confused all of these years? All right. Uh, fair enough. I mean, there's not much more you can do with that one. Uh, Amy. Hi, Amy. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Make a long story short. Uh, me and my sister were put in my stepmother's will as beneficiaries. We were supposed to receive a, a packet, which we never did. Um, my sister called the executor. She kept saying, oh, well, you're going to get it, blah, blah, blah. It's been – she passed away about two months ago, received nothing. Uh, a relative sent me the package he got. And turns out our names are not on the list, and we've been told that we cannot contact the attorney because they're going to charge the estate. Okay. What do we do? All right. Well, first, by the way, that was a short story short, uh, but good for you. Uh, No, I like that. Uh, First of all, you can, of course, contact an attorney. Uh, Okay. No one can stop you ever from contacting an attorney. And uh, whether or not you have the right uh, to even see the document uh, by the executor, his argument is going to be, well, you're not mentioned in the will, and people who are not mentioned in the will generally don't have the ability to see the will. Uh, now, we what... were mentioned in the will. We oh, are. And uh, you uh, are you beneficiaries under the will? Yes, and uh, just okay. We didn't get sent proof of service. Right. Our names so aren't... here's okay. the, and here is what the 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 legal aspects of this is. There's a clause in virtually every will that says if you contest this will. Then you're disinherited and you get nothing. Right. right. That's your normal clause. But you're not contesting the will. What you're contesting is the executor not giving you any information as to whether or not you're a beneficiary. It, the underlying will, you're not saying we deserve more money or we should have been included. Or, right. We just want to know why our that's addresses right. were not put on that, proof of mailing. Can uh, we contact yeah, and that's the, the exe- and that's the executor. Sure, you can call an attorney. Uh, how can much mo- how much money are you talking about, Amy? That you would or would not get? It's a class action class action beneficiary, like about three hundred thousand for about okay. twenty five people. And, oh, and the, and all of you got to get three hundred thousand dollars each, or three hundred thousand dollars split up by con- split. Split. That's less than a thousand dollars a piece. No, it's a little bit yeah. more. It's a little bit more than a thousand bucks. Do I have that right? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but we can't contact the estate attorney. That yeah, you can all. All of you can sue the attorney. Uh, the because there's liability there if they, if if you uh, if you if he does not distribute the money pursuant to the will, and you're not contesting the will. No. You're just going after him. Yeah, get an attorney. And when they tell you you can't get an attorney, that instantly means. They don't want you to get an attorney, even though you're entitled to get an attorney. Under any circumstance, anywhere, you're entitled to go to an attorney. 
Uh, the, the executor is blowing smoke when he says you can't contact a lawyer. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning, more handle on the law. Hi, Jeff. Yes, Jeff. Hi. Yes. I was was walking my dog a couple of weeks ago uh, in my neighborhood, and uh, my dog was on a leash. And as I was walking uh, past one of my neighbor's homes, his dog came running out of uh, his front yard because he had left the gate open. And bit my dog in the throat, and I had to take it to the vet. And the dog's okay now, but there was a vet bill for about $117, is, which is not a lot of money. But a couple of questions. Is my neighbor 100% responsible yes. for the payment? Yes. Okay. And uh, I have not been able to get a hold of him. Uh, he keeps his gate locked, and I can't access the front door. And uh so the best way to get in contact with him, should, uh, should I just drop a letter in sure. the mailbox? Sure. Yeah, you can do that. You have to make a you have to make a demand before you take him to small claims court. In the small claims court document, you it, you're asked, "Have you made a demand?" And if you say no, you're not going to be able to go further than that. Sure, oh, you make a demand. Okay. He's going to ignore you, and uh, you sue him in small claims court. It's going to cost you probably a hundred and something dollars, but you get that back theoretically. Uh, now, I do not know my uh, neighbor's na- uh, last name. I, I know his first name. You can look it up. You can you can probably look it up. Just go on, do an Internet search. Today, Internet searches are terrific. It used to be you'd have to have a private investigator. And for a hundred and something dollars, it used to be you just suck it up. Well, I called Animal Control, and they attempted uh, to find out who lives there. And the... the First name that I gave them does not match up with any any. Right, uh, right. Okay, it depends on living in the house. It depends on how vicious you want to be. Uh, one of the things you can do is commit total fraud and uh, keep on calling them and saying the dog is eating people. <laughs> and at some point on the fifth go round, they'll come up and pick up the dog, come hell or high water. But use a different voice when you're yeah, calling up. Yeah, because oh, you don't. Oh, that's <laughs> sorry too- to disappoint. Yeah, that does disappoint. Question- the other question I had, if I do take him to small claims court, if it winds up having to go there, when I'm at small claims court, can I recover my lost wages if I have to take time you, off of yeah, work? Yeah, you can ask for it. Whether the judge will give it to you is a different issue. You can certainly ask for it as part of your damages. Okay, for going to court. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, yeah. try okay. it. I mean, you got nothing to lose. In small claims court, you can ask for anything. Janet. Hi, Janet. You're up. Welcome. Hi, Bill. I um, contacted you about maybe two months ago. Um, I went to um, court because my husband, uh, my divorce was final in December, and the judge said that in order for him to, um, for, in order for me to get the 95000 that he owes me, uh, the house was to be sold, and for me to get my money, any money left can go to him. So now he appealed it, and I went to go see an appellate attorney 
who wanted 20000 down. Ooh, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah, and I and I said, well, I'm not appealing. He's appealing. No, you still, but you have to defend the appeal. Okay. Yeah, Janet, you know, he's taking you to court, effectively. Well, he is. And uh, uh-huh. now he's going to lose the appeal. Okay. Okay, just to let you know, uh, the the fact... Uh, the fact giver, the, 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 the fact decider, I keep on forgetting how to do that, is the judge. And the only argument on appeal is if he did something procedurally wrong. You can't just appeal, boy, uh, I should get my, I sh- the judge was just wrong. Based on what? Well, he was just wrong. You can't do that. There has to be a basis for the appeal. But you want to find out a couple of things. Uh, would attorney's fees kick in? Uh, that's number one. And uh, if not, I mean, he's paying for a lawyer to do the appeal at this point. Right. And so you're going to need a lawyer to defend. Now, that's a lot of money, uh, $20,000 as a uh, retainer. You get to look for a lot, uh, many more attorneys to talk about it. Okay. But uh, it rarely is an appeal done on these circumstances because there really is nothing more to appeal. Okay. Well, I think his attorney stated something like the judge based it on emotion. Emotion of the judge? Right. Well, you know, that's kind of hard. to. How do you argue emotion of a judge in front of appeals court? They weren't there. Right. right. What's the proof that the judge was emotional? Oh, um, she didn't list any proof. Right. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's right. it. You know, that's why, I, as I told you, the appeal is going to be lost. And, right. so, and you can argue, and it could be that you are arguing at the end of all that, uh, a malicious uh, abuse of power, malicious prosecution, or malicious appeal based on he just threw something out with no evidence just to get you into court. There's some, li- right. there's some liability on his part. So, uh, right. yeah, so talk to a, an, another appeals attorney, and uh, hopefully you can get... Uh, attorney's fees on this. It's a tough one. You, you, you married the wrong guy. It's your fault. I always I always tell people under these circumstances, what are you doing marrying a cockroach like this? This is Handle on the Law. Sweet. KFI Handle here. Right until 11 o'clock, the legal show. The phone number is 800-520-1-KFI. 800-520-1534. Right after this show, it's Leo Laporte from 11 to 2. And then Neil Saavedra with uh, the Fork Report. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I, Bill Handle, tell you, insert name here, you have absolutely no case. Uh, this is in Washington, D.C. And I did a story earlier in the week about uh, some statistics, uh, the LGBT community, LBGTQ community, and how even though it is at the forefront of the news, if you look at the stats, there really isn't that much forward motion. Uh, in how uh, LGBT folks are being treated. Uh, you think it'd be a lot further, but it's not. And this is uh, the the human rights people. And it was a couple of uh, big studies that were done. So uh, to give you an example 
of uh, the fact that uh, there isn't a, a whole lot more in terms of advancement. Uh, here's a D.C. restaurant. Uh, it's called Cuba Libre Restaurant and Rum Bar in northwest Washington, D.C. And a transgender woman tries to use the women's restroom and is asked for ID and then gets kicked out when she refuses. Charlotte Clymer, who happens to be an activist, works in the field, was celebrating a bachelorette party on a Friday and uh, was stopped by a staff member. She tried to enter uh, to use the women's restroom. And according to Clymer, she said the attendant asked for her ID. And she said, why? And he told her that female must be on the card in order to use a women's restroom, I guess, on an ID card. And she said, wait a sec, there are no, nobody's else in the hallway waiting to use the bathroom is asked to show their ID. She enters the stall. The man follows her in the women's restroom and then leaves, walks out the door. So she leaves the restroom and the attendant and the manager tells her, according to D.C. law, she must have female on her ID to use the women's restroom. And she said, no. That's not the case. I mean, she knew the law. So she asked the manager, well, show me the law that says that. Well, he refuses, of course, and threatens to call the police. And she actually pulled up the law on her phone and told him, what you're doing is illegal. And she said, the manager said, well, that's incorrect. What I'm doing is legal. And uh, refused to show her what law he was citing, even though she was citing the law, said he couldn't do it. And he threatened to call the police. And at that point, she says, go ahead and call the police. The manager kept on going, persisted. The bouncer comes up and asks her to leave. After explaining the situation to the bouncer, the bouncer grabs her arm and pushes her out of the restaurant. She calls the police. The cops arrive and said, yep, you are correct on the law. And uh, Cuba uh, Cuba Libre issues a statement regretting what happened. The restaurant said that the staff failed to welcome guests of all gender IDs and acknowledged Clymer was treated in an unacceptable manner and said it was retraining the staff to make sure this incident does not happen again. Well, Clymer didn't buy it. She said, I, I wish I could be magnanimous and let this uh, be sufficient, but I can't. This is to the restaurant. Your manager intentionally made up a fake law to humiliate me, mocked me when I showed him the actual law, and acted with condensation. Uh, con- yeah, condensation? Condes- yes, that's right. Condensation. There was water that appeared on her face. And aggression in response, which, of course, uh, certainly attract a lot of attention on Twitter. Now, do we know uh, what happened to the manager and that bouncer? They're not saying. I would have fired them immediately for coming up with a fake law, being shown the law, and saying this is not the law, throwing her out, having the bouncer grab her and throw her out. If that's not worth firing someone, I don't know what is. All right. Phone calls. Armando, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Handle. Yes. Uh, married with my wife for 10 years. 
wanted to uh, get her. She's not legal in this country. Um, found out that she was, when she first entered into the country, she was caught and uh, deported. Uh, found out that that deportation was a 10-year thing where, you know, we caught you, get out, can't come back for 10 years. Well, she snuck back in the next day. <laughs> um, fast forward, we're married. I'm trying to fix her papers. Um, they're saying that she has to leave the country because she never fulfilled the deportation terms. Okay. And your question is? My question is, uh, besides uh, buying her a ticket back to Mexico, what else can I do? I, what I would do is contact an immigration attorney who is going to take your money and say, there's nothing I can do. That's I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty clear. Now, are you a U.S. citizen? I'm in process of becoming one, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I see, here's the problem. She, and then the reason I ask is for you to make application on your U.S. citizenship to bring her in, but here's the problem. She's already been deported. And yeah. she's broken the law, and so now she, it's a re, it's an illegal reentry. Yes, uh, I think she's got big problems. Big problems. Now, um, side note: we have three kids already. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Bad. Doesn't matter. Bad. They don't care. They don't, they care. don't care. Nope. She's so Ill- nothing about keeping families together there, right? No, but that's not a question. It's keeping families together in detention. Yeah. There's no detention here. Yeah. And, okay. and if they toss her out, which they will, if they arrest her. Yes. If they find her, she's tossed out. That doesn't mean the families aren't uh, together. You're legal. The kids yes. are certainly American citizens. She's the only one at risk. Now, is she tossed out automatically, or can we file for a hearing? Well, I, I don't even know what. You can always file for a hearing, whether they're going to give it to you or not. But it's one of those where uh, she's a flight risk. She's already done it once. Yes. And I don't know what kind of a hearing you're going to have. You need an immigration attorney. Okay. I mean, like right now. Uh, go to handleonthelaw.com. We've got uh, tons of them, and, uh, you know, you, ne- you need some help for sure. She did everything wrong. But on the other side, here's the deal. She gets deported, and part of the deportation order is, I mean, she's, I don't even know, she wasn't voluntarily, she didn't self-deport, is that you can't come back in the country. Well, after 10 years, she has the ability to apply to come back into the country, but it's almost impossible to get an application approved. That's the problem. Is one of the things that the attorney general says is, well, let them come in legally. They can't. They just can't. There's no basis for them to come in in legally unless it's a skill that is needed in the United States. Unless it's something where the United States says, we want you, we need you. This is where people misunderstand is that a policy, an immigration policy of any country, is not for the benefit of the immigrant. It's for the benefit of the country. And the country says, we don't need you. Therefore, we're not going to let you immigrate in. When uh, my parents, who uh, came to the United States, 1956... Uh, they got their green card in Sao Paulo, Brazil. That's what they do. It. It's issued at the consulate in whatever country you're in. And the con- the consular office, uh, the officer handing my folks their green card said, we want and need people like you. You're exactly the kind of people we want in the United States. 
My dad was a technical guy, ended up being a union electrician. My mother was a dentist. And it was, yes, this is what America wants. This is handle on, by the way, they were dead wrong, I might add. This is handle on the law. here and a uh, good morning on a uh, Saturday 800-520-1KFI 800-520-1534 back we go more handle on the law uh, hey Brian yes hey, Bill. yes sir hey I was uh, traveling uh, just out of state uh, from where I live and I was coming back and I was inside I stopped to use the restroom and get some gas and uh, I was walking down the aisle, tripped on some things that had been left out there, didn't even see them, fell, got injured, had a broken arm, uh, bruised ribs, off work for a week, uh, reduced work for about two months. And here's my question. Um, I don't know how much – I filed a claim with them and their insurance company. There's actually two insurance companies involved. And what I can't decide is if I should get an attorney. Well, hold on. Okay, okay. First of all, what uh, – and I missed uh, part of that. What made you fall? What did you fall on? There was a tray that was left out by a vendor. And you tripped on the tray? Yes. All right. And uh, and you broke arm, ribs? You didn't have a surgery? No surgery. You can talk I, I... to an attorney. The problem is you'd have to have an attorney in the state where it happened. Okay. That was my that was my first. Yeah, you're not going to get one. You're not going to get one at home. You need one there, and uh, you can ask. And it's um, also you can start negotiating with the insurance company. See what they'll give you. Yeah, you know, it's, well, it, and and uh, if they don't give you enough, and then you get to figure out from uh, a PI attorney what is this worth. Okay, thank you. And he's going to ask to is going to ask you to sign, and you go. You know what? I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. You walk out the door and you start negotiating. And okay. if, they, if they don't give you much, which they don't, Brian, these are insurance companies, and they're very good at not paying, and they're very good at negotiating, and you are in a different league when you're dealing with them, which is why attorneys, PI attorneys, in anything that's serious is necessary, because okay. they know the game, you don't. So that's what I would do. See if uh, they're, uh, what are they offering? You know, what is okay. a broken arm and ribs worth? I, I don't know. And time off from work and yeah, no, all of it. Those are all your damages, sure. Yeah. So it's time to talk to an attorney, and you're gonna. The problem is you're gonna have to be, do it out there for sure. Uh, Anthony, hi, Anthony. Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. So I'll keep this short and simple. So my father-in-law is running a studio apartment from a guy who has a home, and thing is, the guy over a year now has gotten a dog, and he's trying to train it and breed. Uh, trying to breed it and has not trained it in the last week and two week or two the dogs have been kind of getting a little bit more aggressive and i take my daughter there to get dropped off and babysit in the morning and the dogs can kind of get aggressive towards me now do i have anything if that dog bites me or my child because i'm visiting my father-in-law but not the homeowner sure uh, do, you, do you own a baseball bat by the way 
Yes, I do. See, I I would go be on your way to playing baseball uh, when uh, you are uh, visiting the house. Yes, if the dog attacks you, and especially if you're simply going to the home, and where is the dog? Is it just out there in the yard running around? Pretty much. He doesn't do a damn thing with the dog. Yeah, well, yeah, and let him know. I'd let him know in writing, saying, hey, your dog is running around. It's being aggressive with me. And then you have a really interesting situation where if the dog does get aggressive and bite you or your child, uh, not only is uh, the the dog owner liable, he's been warned. And that gives him no defense. Gee, I didn't know. First bite is free. See, that, that is a good defense. Had no idea. Dog, dog is a terrific dog. Well behaved. Okay, there's an argument there with that first bite. When there's a warning, huh, what are they going to do? So the answer is yes. How old is your little one? She's going to be two in August. Okay, uh, that's the other thing. And I found out if a dog goes after you and your kid, I I tend to, I had the same situation. I tend to throw my kids in front of me. (laughs) Damn, if I'm going to let a dog bite me. There's no chance. Bob. Hello, Bob. You're up. Welcome. Yes. Um, uh, Bill, you know, two years ago, myself and my partner, Sam, who's also on the other line, is listening. Uh, we bought a body shop. Uh, we lease the land from the landlord, and uh, <clears throat> now we're trying to sell it. We are an escrow. We have a very well-qualified buyer. Uh, and now we came to know from the landlord when we tried to have the buyer, you know, have the lease. Uh, the landlord is telling us, hey, you know, <clears throat> city is uh, giving us a uh, problem uh, that they, they do not have permit to run the, run the body shop. Okay, so but, when you, but when you bought it, uh, it's the same landlord, right? The same, same landlord. Uh-huh. All right, so it's interesting that the landlord uh, didn't bring that up to you, but is now bringing it up uh, when it's a new buyer, right? The right. first time, okay, that's well, interesting. Uh, and there's no. Not only that, he got a violation from the city. So you know, somebody complained. Ah, okay. <laughs> right. So they, got it. Now the city giving giving him problem, and he's not getting leased to my my yeah. So what the remedy? When, okay, when you're talking about uh, it's non permitted, is it is it is there a problem with the zoning? Uh, that's what they're saying. He's saying now half of uh, the it's, it's like a uh, eighteen thousand square feet uh, built area, and the total lot is like one acre. All right. Yeah. So you think half half of the city is saying half of your your place is permitted for warehouse, half is for the okay. shop. Yeah, there's an issue so, there, and you're the only thing you can do is you can ask for a waiver from the city, uh, which is going to take forever because effectively it's a rezoning of that particular piece of property, and that's going to take a while. You have to go to the city council on that one. Uh, you can uh, lose the sale. And uh, try to sue the landlord for not informing you. Although the landlord is going to argue, I had no idea. Uh, it's and uh, you didn't do your due diligence, did you? No, we you know uh, were we supposed to? Yeah, it's, you know, but, even even then, if uh, you do due diligence, does it go as far as find out that half the property is owned properly and the other half isn't? By the way, do you know how to spell due diligence? Yeah, D O D O D I L A G E N T S. I do, but you know, as a buyer, you think I should go to city check? Yeah, you have. That's that's the only shot you have is to go to the city and and try to 
uh, get a waiver or the rezoning of that particular piece of property. Uh, otherwise, uh-huh. you're not selling this, Bob, and they could have you shut down and say you're not working at all as to that half of the body shop. So how about uh, do I have any remedy again? Yeah, not, I don't think so. I, I don't see it. I, I think what you have to do is uh, get a zoning lawyer to help you out on this. Uh, this. This is a big problem you have. And it's almost no one's fault. I mean, theoretically, you could sue uh, the owner of the property. And he's going to say, I didn't know. And the city has then told, uh, t- uh, told me about it. I mean, this is a complicated mess, Bob. It really is. I don't, so you're going to need a lawyer who specializes in zoning issues to see where you can go on that one. This is Handle on the Law. A Saturday morning, couple lines open, 800-520-1534, 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Yo, Jim, welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, sir. I recently retired, and I got paid for unused vacation time through direct deposit. I've not got a statement for that pay, and I've requested it twice. I'm wondering who to contact to get them to pay attention. All right. Well, first of all, why do you need it? Just curious. Just to know where the money went. Wait, it went into your account. Well, some of it was supposed to go into a deferred comp account. Some of it came to me. Oh, so you don't know? I don't know where it went. And they won't tell you? I've requested a statement twice. And and I've requested again. Go up the ladder. Because what are you going to do? File a court motion uh, to compel? I mean, really? Well, I, don't, I was thinking maybe there was some government agency I could contact that would say, hey, give this guy a statement. Uh, I don't know of which. Uh, uh, probably not. So okay. uh, I just, you just keep on asking. And then uh, if they won't tell you, then you who's holding your deferred uh, compensation fund? Who's the administrator of that? Uh, find, out, you- find out who that is yeah. and see what amount of money they put in there. So okay. go go it by the back end. Yeah, sometimes I mean you're really going to go to uh, take a uh, a legal stance on that stuff. Uh, probably not. All right, Lynn. Yes, Bill. Y- yes, ma'am. Um, all right. Uh, my husband was uh, her. Uh, my husband's mother died in 2006, and she had a trust in place for all of her three children. And um, when she died in 2006, the executor was my husband's younger brother. Uh, this is a trust, right? It's a trust. Okay, yes. that's, a, that's a trustee, not an executor. Okay, so the trustee was your younger brother, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, he has been living in the house rent-free, mortgage-free for the past 12 years. Oh, and the trust, wait a minute. And what does the trust say in terms of dis- distribution of the assets? That they are to be distributed among the three siblings. Oh, okay. Lawsuit against your brother. Breach, well, breach of fiduciary is- duty. Uh, right there. Really? Oh, yeah. Can't we've, do that. We've taken this to two or three lawyers, and they all said because he, and they told us, quote, he's the executor, he can stay there as long That's as That's not wants. true. He is bound by the terms of the trust. And if the trust says it must be distributed... Then it has to be distributed. What? They said as long as he is the trustee, he can keep everything? 
And if yes. let's say there's five hundred thousand dollars in a trust account that says be distributed. Oh no, he can keep it all. He doesn't have to distribute. Does that make any sense to you? Well, this is what three lawyers. I don't understand. Something else is going on. Something else is going on, and because it, it makes no sense. Trustees under the terms of the trust says you have to distribute the assets of the trust. He's living there for twelve years for free. Uh, come on. I mean, where are you going to go with this? Three lawyers have said, oh, he can stay there forever? I, I don't think so. Doesn't make any sense. All right. Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi. Yes. Good morning, Bill. Yes. Uh, how are you? Uh, excellent. What can I do for you? I would like to ask you a simple question. Uh, motion and petition. Is yes. No. I, by the way, how long have you been in this country, uh, Maria? Uh, almost uh, 30 years. 30 years. And you sound like you got off the boat yesterday afternoon. Where are you from? I, I'm from Mexico. Okay, you're Mexico. All right. So uh, this is the difference between a motion and petition is very, very easy. Almost anybody can understand it, even people who don't speak a lot of English. Here we okay. go. A motion is a written or oral application to a court in a pending case seeking some sort of ruling or order. A petition, on the other hand, is always in writing, considered a pleading used to commence a proceeding or initiate a collateral one. Okay. Okay, does okay. that help? Yeah. Oh, that good. Thank you okay, very much. Okay, you're welcome. So that was easy for her to understand. All right. Oh, it's just getting so good, isn't it? All right, Robert. Hello, Robert. Hi, Handel. I love your show. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. I, I called before uh, about uh, my landlord, and uh, I've been there 20 years in West L.A. where we have uh, the rent control, and uh, I tried to negotiate with him so I can move out, and he is only offering us one-third of what the housing authority said. Well, he can't do that. I mean, he can't do that, Robert. He has to give you the entire amount. Well... What happened is uh, I got assaulted by a new neighbor who just moved in. So I went to court, and they put a restraining order against this guy. I think he's doing it on purpose okay. to make my life miserable, you know? Okay. So I, so I, want, I would like to sue him and uh, because of the assault I had. And well, you can, sue, you can sue. You can't sue the landlord. You can sue the neighbor who did the assault. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous because I don't know what he's going to further. That's true. So, so okay, so you want to sue the landlord who you can't prove had anything to do with the assault, right? Well, I want to move out. He's forced to get to move out. Okay, then you move out and you get the check before you move out and you call the rent stabilization board and let them get involved with it. The Uh rent control is controlled by a bureaucracy. And in the city of Los Angeles, for example, it's called the Rent Stabilization Board, and they have power. So you want to get the equivalent. Where do you live, by the way? In West LA. I All right, so you're part. Of, so you're part of LA. Okay, you're part of. Well, I don't know. Is the city of LA is West? Uh, is Rent Stabilization? Um, just trying to think. Is West LA a separate city? Uh, no, West Hollywood is. You live in West LA. Yeah, it does a rent control. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're totally covered by uh, L.A. City Rent Stabilization uh, Board, totally. So uh, you call them up and tell them the grief you're going through, and they'll get involved. Which which one, again? What's the organization? Rent Stabilization Board. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it. Yeah, there's laws. There are laws that California state laws, as well as other laws around the country, that say if someone is, if you throw someone out, uh, if you ask for an eviction, they have to pay you money. 
The problem is if you leave voluntarily, that's a problem. 800-520-1KFI. We have some lines open. Boy, this hour, there have been a couple of times. The last several hours, there haven't been. So uh, your chance to get through, 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. If only yesterday. here and uh, it's a saturday morning 800-520-1534 welcome back to handle on the law uh yes let's do it mark you're up hello mark yeah yeah hi um yeah i i had a question about a lady i worked for she runs uh it's registered as a as a charity but it's out of her house it's a big house in arcadia and um, I basically am like an English tutor for her. Um, I don't do it anymore. And I was renting a guest house from her, and we got into kind of a dispute. And um, she was up to all kinds of uh, shady stuff. And I know it's not. What does that only... mean? What, what does that mean, shady stuff? Well, she had all kind of she 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 wanted uh, me and my uh, girlfriend to help her with some paperwork about like. Um, some kind of uh, uh, documents, and we noticed that she had a different she had a different birthday. She changed her name and, and social security number and birthday. And I know you're not supposed. What to you're talking that. about on on the documents? You, you what what? Why were you asked to sign documents in which she put down her social security number and her name? No, we didn't. We she wanted us to help her um, help her go through them. Um, oh, okay. And, and and what was and what were the documents that she wanted to help, have you help through? What it was an application of some kind. Yeah, I think because she um, she was going under a bankruptcy also okay. under Got and it. and basically she put everything under other people's names and then she changed her birthday. All right. What's your what's your question? Is there if I want to get even with her? Yeah. Is there? Can I call the zoning department and have them send somebody down there? And can I get her in trouble by having like a fake birthday and uh, stuff like that? Well, they don't care about the birthday. Uh, it, all they care about is is she running a business out of her home? And when it comes to tutoring, Jim, uh, do you know how do you know how much they care about uh-huh. a tutoring business out of someone's home? Well, it's like a it's like a summer camp thing too. She basically gets paid a lot of money from people in China to take care of their kids and yeah, you, them yeah you can call you can call the zoning people, sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's like a hotel. All right. Well, then the zoning people would have something to say about it. That's fine. Sure, you can call them up and they'll huh. they'll come out and give her grief or not give her grief. I have no idea, but uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. All right, Jim. You're up. Welcome. Hello, Jim. Hello, Bill. How are you doing this morning? Anyway, uh, I'm a resident uh, in a rental house. The owners have expressed a desire to paint the inside of the house. Are they under any obligation to relocate me? Oh, yeah. You're talking about during the time that the, the painting occurs? That's correct. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. They do have to paint. And I'm going to go even further than that. I would argue they then have to deodorize the house. You know, because the smell of paint for a long time can really do it. So 
Uh, there are these commercial deodorization folks. By the way, is that a verb to deodorize? I think it is. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, they, and they bring in the big ozone machines that uh, clean up the odors. Yeah. Now, yeah. how much are they? How do they figure how much money uh, do they have to pay to relocate me? Uh, divide the month, uh, days into the rental fee, or how? How do they? Well, do you're that? still paying the rent. That's correct. Okay, so that doesn't stop. Okay. But they have to pay you for to relocate and a per diem for food. Right. And so they have to put you in a place that is furnished, usually a hotel room. And since you can't cook, you get a per diem for food, too. And it's a reasonable amount. There is no set amount. Okay. You just have to negotiate it. And if it's reasonable, even if, let's say, you go high, they go low okay. on the amount of money. It, it depends on what a decent person would do. Uh, I got out of the uh, landlord business because I was just too generous. I mean, right. I, I just couldn't do it. I was losing my shirt. Well, these guys aren't too generous, so I just have to negotiate. Yeah, uh, you negotiate it. Okay, Bill, thank you for your time. All right, and then uh, if you don't like it, you say you're not painting. Evict me. And then uh, you, that a judge makes the decision. And so uh, that's how it works. Okay, Uh, phone numbers uh, coming up for the next hour, and we still have a few lines open, 800 520 one KFI 800-520-1534. Top of the hour is always the best time to call. So hang on during the break and we will, we, it's the royal we, we are not amused. I will get to you. Now, Blake, it's me. I will get to you and it's not Sam, it's me. We in their dreams will get to you in reality is I will get to you. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. David Cox, who's a Brit, is suing David Copperfield, claiming he suffered lasting lasting brain damage and a shoulder injury after he fell on debris during the lucky number 13 illusion. And during the course of the lawsuit, Copperfield was forced to reveal the secrets behind the trick. It's one of his most uh, famous tricks. And uh, that's what the judge said. So uh, lawyers for the magician argued that disclosing how the lucky number 13 illusion works to the public would financially hurt Copperfield, who, by the way, is worth about $800 million. Uh, The judge said, no, it's not going to hurt you. Why? Because about 55,000 people over the course of years have already participated in this trick and they know how it works. By the way, one of those people is me. I participated in this trick. I was chosen out of the audience, and I was done. It was random. And uh, here is uh, what happens. There is a suspended cage that comes down. 
big cage, and inside are a bunch of seats. I think it's eight seats uh, across. It's stadium seating, so there's two rows. Seats, and then behind it, eight seats or maybe eight, ten inches above. So uh, you get to see everybody. And uh, everybody is handed a flashlight. And a curtain is drawn immediately around the, uh, around, uh, the cage. And uh, people are given those flashlights. They shine them on the cloth. And then you're told, immediately don't. And a couple of people from the Copperfield organization take their own flashlight and uh, move it around so it looks like there's still people are still in there. Let me tell you what actually happens. Is as soon as that curtain is drawn, the folks in there are hustled out of there. And I mean hustled out of there. Told to run like hell through the backstage area and down the hall, depending on wherever the uh, venue is, and then to the back of the auditorium, all the way around. And what's happening is sleight of hand. The audience is looking at what appears to be people still there in the cage, and instead they're running the hell out of there, back of the audience, so when the curtain is drawn, when the curtain is pulled away from the cage, it's empty, and Copperfield points, and there we all are. With our flashlights in hand, everybody goes, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. So let me tell you what happened to David Cox. He was part of that group running through sort of the hallway, and there was construction going on. And it's dark. And he took a fall, and he fell on debris, and he was seriously injured. And so he promptly sued David Copperfield, and the judge ruled, you know what? Uh, you, You have to tell how this works And this is open court. Now, we have open courts here. The public is allowed to come in anytime they want, unless it is a case that has national security issues, then the courtroom can be sealed. Other than that, David Copperfield. It was a stupid trick anyway, I have to tell you. I wasn't overly impressed. Let's take some phone calls. Frank! Hi, Frank! Hello, Frank, you're there. Pleasure speaking with you. Yes, sir. Um, question about a house that I own. And um, I have a tenant who moved in not too long ago, about two and a half months ago. Um, One-year lease, obviously. Uh, I'm really tempted to sell the house because the price has gone up. Sell the house. Uh, I'm sorry? Sell the house. Nothing stops you from selling the house. Great, but what's my remedy on satisfying the lease? There isn't any. Whoever buys the house buys the tenant. Uh-huh. Now you can now you can offer the tenant money to move. Okay, uh, but that's about it. And uh, you could uh, you can evict the tenant based on you moving in, saying you're going to move in. But since you put the house up or selling the house, that's not going to fly, Frank. Because that becomes an illegal uh, eviction. So just cut a deal with the tenant. That's all. Just say, hey, here's the bottom line. Uh, you get out. How much, is, how much rent does uh, the tenant pay? 1300 All right. How much, you, how much profit are you going to make on the house? Uh, about 100000 Well, Isn't it worth it to say, hey, guy, tell you what? You've got, uh, what, 10 months left on the lease. I'll give you five grand and moving expenses. 
So let's say it costs you eight thousand dollars. What you're going to get upset? To, what are you going to do? Not make a hundred thousand dollars and pay out eight? Okay, so give him a. Yeah. Also, you, remember you've got well, you can give him whatever you negotiate with him. I just threw out a figure. I mean, that's I'm just right. yeah, I'm just throwing out a figure. The other possibility is telling the uh, seller uh, or the buyer saying, "Okay, uh, escrow will close in ninety days." So now gives your tenant he's in for almost six months, and you cut a deal uh, saying, uh, "You know what? Uh, I'll eat three months of that, and I'll pay for your moving expenses." You know, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You ask him, uh, what is it going to take? I need the house. I'm selling the house. You legally have the right to stay through your tenancy. I'm not arguing that. Don't don't bamboozle him, you know, because he could find out the truth instantly and saying, I want to sell the house, and I'd like to give the buyer a house that doesn't have anybody in it. Uh, and I know I'm asking you to uh, curtail the lease. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to breach the lease. What is it going to take to make you happy? Okay. Okay. So, so cut a deal with the tenants. Very well. Yeah, just Thank cut a deal. Sir. That's all you have to do. But the bottom line is, if a tenant's in a house, uh, guess what? Whoever buys the house buys the tenant. Now, whoever buys the house then wants to move in, then an eviction flies. Then it works. But, uh, no, you have to wait for the lease to end. That's right. You still have to wait for the lease to end. Yeah, pretty much. Hello, Joanne. Hi there. Yes. Um, I have a couple of questions about a living trust. Yes, ma'am. Um, about uh, 10 years ago, my husband and I drew up a living trust, and he passed away about three years ago. Do I need to update that? No, it depends on if it's a decently written trust. It will take, it was, in, it, our, it, it will take into account... Uh, that your husband or you die or both of you die, and there'll be language in the trust that says if you're both trustees, I'm going to show. I'm going to bring up my trust that I have with my wife, and it says that in the event one passes away, then the other one is the sole trustee, and then right. if that person dies, there are successor trustees, which means in, is that yeah, what you have? That's my ne- Yes, and that's my next yeah, you're question. Fine. I have uh, three children that are on on list on the trustees, and one of my children is being sued. Is that uh, money or anything? My assets and that are those safe? No, no. If that person's getting sued, it has nothing to do with the trust. Okay. Uh, it has it has to do with the trust. Assuming that the trust is distributed, uh, then that person has those assets that can be attacked and attached by a lawsuit. So let's say uh, you have a, a child, uh, and uh, theoretically, let's say there's $300,000 in the trust. Well, the trust is its own entity, and uh, that can normally not be attacked uh, until it's distributed. And then, so your your child at that point has $100,000 when the two of you die, <clears throat> and now that $100,000 can be attached. As long as I stay alive, he's okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as you stay alive, you're good. fine. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Not a problem. Okay, that you're was good. Easy. Okay, okay. there you go. And as, as I said, uh, my trust, uh, if uh, both of us, both my wife and I, are trustees. Now, if she ends up dying, which is certainly going to happen way, way before I do, it's an age issue, uh, then I'm the sole trustee. If I end up dying, or both of us, let's say we die in a car accident or a plane crash or whatever, then what ends up happening is I have a successor trustee. It happens to be my partner. And then I have a successor trustee after that. 
uh, and then uh, then they choose a successor trustee. It's always it's a very complicated situation, but I make sure that there's always a trustee in, in mind because I don't trust my kids whatsoever. All right, this is Handle on the Law. Stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Brian. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Hey, Bill. Thank you. I got arrested for uh, domestic violence uh, misdemeanor. Got myself out of jail. Uh, hired a lawyer. Uh, agreed to pay him three thousand dollars. Paid him fifteen hundred up front. Uh, he never showed up at the arraignment. Um, I was at the arraignment, and the judge said, no complaint will be filed, no case will be filed. You're free to go. Uh, my question, do I still owe him the remaining $1,500? Oh, absolutely. Not only do you not owe him $1,500, uh, what I would do is file a complaint with the state bar, accuse him of abandoning you, and at the same time sue him in small claims court for $1,500, having not done anything. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And- no, no. It's more than uh, just, gee, do I owe the $1,500. Hello, Frederick. Hello. Yes. So, uh, Bill, an elderly friend of mine rented a room in his bedroom. He owns his home. He rented a furnished bedroom in his house at the beginning of last month. Um, the young man who rented the room without his permission moved out the furniture in the bedroom and then moved in several pieces of his own new furniture. My friend gets home. They get into an argument about it because of the moved furniture. The guy leaves that had rented the room. Um, he only lived there a few weeks. He said, I'll be back at the end of the month to get my things, meaning the three pieces of furniture he moved in. He never came back at the end of the month. He's never contacted How long has it been? How long has it been uh, since, since he left? Since mid. Since wait, mid-December. wait, wait. How many? How many months? He lived there about two or three weeks. And how many months since he left and said, "I'll be back in three weeks"? About three weeks. He's only been gone three weeks since he said, yes. "I'll be back in three weeks." Yes. All right. So, what's your question? If he doesn't ever, he can't. He doesn't know where the guy is, and he's not returning his calls. Okay. So he's wondering, you know, how long does he? Have I don't to know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, it's uh, there's it's a statutory period. You can look that up, or it is a reasonable period, and that you sort of have to guess what that is. And I would think it'd be a matter of months, but I think there's a statutory answer to that, which means you simply look up uh, state law or even county or local law and ask that question. How long does it take uh, or how long can you keep on furniture or how long before you can get rid of the furniture? And once you're allowed to do that, the furniture can be sold and then that amount of money uh, as uh, is placed against the rent. And that's for starters. And then uh, assuming you get money and you're looking for this guy and he never shows up, then there's another statutory uh, issue as to how long is it uh, that uh, he cannot collect any money. And that's uh, another bit of research you get to do. So uh, did I just say I don't know to both those questions? Is that my answer? Pretty much. I like those. That's what makes me such a successful attorney. It's I don't know. Uh, No, I don't know that one either. 
Why don't you ask me one more? No, no, don't know that either. How about another I don't know? No, that's enough, Bill. I get it. You don't know. Hey, Butch. Hi. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. That's all right. Uh, I am am co-founder and chief operating officer. I sit on the board of directors on a 501c3. Um, And my question is, uh, I also have, personally, I have a company uh, that that is a profit, for-profit company, and I modify and uh, make uh, changes to vehicles for returning uh, veterans that, you know, have uh, specific needs, you know, uh, triple amputees, so on. My question is, hiring my company and sitting on the board, is that a conflict of interest? Well, it certainly appears to be a conflict of interest, and it smells like a conflict. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you uh, cannot do both. I mean, the cleanest way of doing it is you simply don't vote on it. You recuse yourself. You're out the door, and uh, you're not in the vote. Uh, that helps a lot. And uh, the other argument is going to be I simply provide the best service at the best price. And while there is uh, the potential for a conflict, there isn't one in this case. And the problem becomes you've got the other board members uh, who could turn around at any point and uh, theoretically file a lawsuit against you. But if the board votes in favor and you, in fact, recuse yourself from the vote and you provide a substantial reason, financial, maybe expertise in terms of uh, what services you are, Uh, That's about as clean as it comes. It is not a direct conflict at all. It just uh, it's just easier to attack. It just smells like a conflict. But I think you can get around it. My concern is that, you know, um, nonprofits are under severe microscopes at the moment. Yeah, Um, I think you're fine. If you're not part of the vote, I think you're fine. If it's a legitimate nonprofit, if it's a legitimate nonprofit and you're providing a legitimate service and the board votes for it, uh, It's I don't think that's a problem, no matter what scope it is. You're not ripping anybody off. You're not using it for fraud. I, I think you'll be okay. Right. Thank right. you. Yeah, try it, and uh, when you get arrested uh, and uh, they sue you, uh, just let me know. Watch this next week. Bill, I was the CEO of a nonprofit, and uh, we hired me to do some car modifying and uh, i'm about to go to jail what do you think okay well let me give you some more advice this is handle on the law this is kfi am 640 we're stimulating talk bill handle here welcome back and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hey, Glenn. Yes. Yeah. My question is that um, my neighbor's house burned down, and uh, it was his uh, faulty uh, socket on the house. And what happened was that when the house burned, the main power line to the house um fell off and it landed on all of his stuff way away from the yard because he's on a five-acre lot and he's got a lot of stuff stored 
and his trailers and all that stuff. But anyway, the uh, Edison claims that they're not liable for the live wire that fell down in the yard and started everything else. Yeah, but fire. if if it turns out that it's uh, the fault of something in the house causing the Edison uh, pole to explode and the wire comes down, how are they at fault? What did they do wrong? Well, what happened was up on the uh, the power pole, there's if if there's a short from the house where where it gets uh disconnected or burnt, it, there's a main there's a main um, fuse up on top of the power line pole. Okay, and that it's didn't and, and that didn't and, and that didn't trigger. Did, right, because okay. when they came out here, it wasn't All right. triggered. All right, so it, that's what they did wrong. Right. Is they had a device that did not work, uh, and now you have a power line that was down that caused the burning of all of uh, his uh, goods. Well, first yeah. of all, what I would do is contact the homeowner's insurance and have them pay for it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to – this is a friend of yours, right? Right, right next door here. Okay. Uh, now, he's got a couple of choices. If he has homeowner's insurance, immediately make an application. Just put in a claim. And if the homeowner's pays off, which it should, uh, then they can go after the power company. They can go after Edison to get their money back under a subrogation clause. Because what is your friend going to do? Your neighbor fight Edison? They have unlimited resources. Yeah, that's what I thought. And yeah. they're going to have to get a lawyer. And so uh, just let the insurance company take care of it. That's why God invented home insurance, Glenn. Yeah. I'm not sure if he has it, but if he doesn't, then... I don't know how anybody can own a house that doesn't have have insurance, fire insurance. That's beyond my comprehension. Yeah. All right. You know what? I had a little question for myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you answer? Uh, uh, Now, I've had a... I don't know if you do workers' comp, but I've had a federal no. workers' comp work. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I don't know yeah. and care okay. about anything with workers' comp. So, yeah, uh, I know. So, I don't either, but yeah, so <laughs> So goodbye. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, I do have a question for you, and the question is, um, how do I do a, a, a post office or a mailman that is a known thief and is stealing my mail, and I know it for a fact. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, do we know what mail has been stolen? Because you have to be Absolutely. very specific. Yes, okay. I know what mail has been stolen. It's been gift cards, and it's been cash, and right. I've gone to the postal inspector multiple times, and I've gone to the postmaster. Yeah. Nothing's done. It's been going on for years. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, um, you really can't sue the post office for this. I think they okay. have. I think they have governmental immunity. But let me ask this: for example, how much cash was mailed to you that was stolen? And I've, I've calculated in, in terms of the cash. It's been about through the years. It's been about two hundred and seventy dollars. And who and who has and who has sent that to you? And why do um, they send cash? Uh, family members, and it's been for my daughter for okay. birthday and, for Christmas. And how do you mm-hmm. prove that you didn't get the cash? Because I've been given um, empty envelopes mm-hmm. with just the card and the cash has been missing, and every mm-hmm. time I take it up to the post office, every and, time. Okay, and uh, what, here is, I'm just throwing out the devil's advocate, this may happen, but how when they say you could have opened up the envelope and taken it out, and now you're coming back to us and you're arguing that it was stolen by the mailman? 
I believe the postmaster believes me because it's not just me. It's our particular route, our particular area, and our particular okay. postman. And but again, so, okay. how do you how do you prove how much money and what kind of cards from whom uh, that were that were sent to you? And even if that was the case, uh, okay. how do you if, if for example, let's say I'm making the same allegation. I'm going to have you swear, because you're my wife, my friend, my sister, that you sent me a $500 gift card and it's gone. And you will swear you sent it. How, how do you prove any of that? Well, in terms of the gift cards, um, I do have tracking numbers when, when I get the gift cards. And I do know that one time it was delivered to the wrong address and that person signed for it. And um, when we went back to try to get the, the retrieve the gift card, of course, that person said, I'm sorry, we never even received any mail here, but we do have it. We did have a signature. Um, every time things are taken, and, and, and I've even, when I have empty envelopes, you can see that it's been touched, it's been opened. As soon as the mail comes, comes every time, the same time almost every day. All right. I'm so, all right, I, no, I get it. I, I get it. I, I just think there's an issue of proof here that I find difficult. But let's say all of that pans out. Uh-huh. Uh, you uh, you went to the postmaster and the postmaster refuses to do anything, correct? The postmaster said we're doing the best we can. That's basically all that I'm getting is they're aware of the situation that it's not just me. It is there's an okay. issue with our route. Then I mm-hmm. think you have to go to the federal prosecutors, the attorney general's office, if the postmaster is not responding. Suing the okay. post office, suing the post office is not going to help you. Okay. That's all there is to it. So now what you have to do is try to nail the postman who did this. And the only way you're going to get your money back is to sue the postman himself. And he's willing to, if he's willing to steal money and he's going to get fired for that once it's established, where are you going to get the money? So I think you're just basically out of luck. And I would, I would tell the postmaster saying, hey, I'm going to take this to uh, the attorney general's office because clearly put all of this in terms of uh, emails. Has the postmaster in email form told you he's doing the best he can? Just in verbal form. Ah, you see, well as, and yeah, and the complaints and the complaints you made are in email or in letters uh, or just calling them up. Um, both. I've 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 done letters and um, I physically go down there and right. I speak to this particular person. But, but let me ask you something really quick, and I promise it will be quick. Um, the, po- the the postman has come to my house two times and and did ask to borrow money. He admitted it to his postmaster. He did admit that he did come and he did ask and he wasn't for money and he wasn't disciplined for that. No. And All right, it's time. It's time to go. It's time to go up from the postmaster. I mean, we, okay. with all of this proof, you can take the next step up. Also, until something is done, you simply don't have your mail delivered to your house. You get a PO box. Okay. All and right. just just get okay. a PO box. It's a pain in the ass. I understand that, but it's not going to stop anything. Uh, it's going to stop all the deliveries. So he's not going to be able to deal with it. Clearly, he's not going to be able to see anything, uh, steal anything out of a PO box unless the entire post office is in cahoots. Then you've got a big problem on your hands, and uh, there should be a full investigation. But uh, you've got you've got to go up the ladder. Clearly, uh, you've got malfeasance by the postmaster. You've got theft by the postman, and I'm assuming that you have the proof uh, that all of this pans out. Uh, I would have a hard time if I'm looking at this. Uh, where's your proof? But uh, maybe she does. Maybe she does. This is Handle on the Law. Hey.
Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk to Handle on a Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Bill. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, Bill. Hi. Um, I'm a, an old radio guy. I'm not a good criminal, but uh, I became addicted to drugs uh, several years ago, about six and a half years ago. Uh, and I robbed two stores. Uh, since that time, Bill, I've uh, turned things around. And I've gone back to college, um, and I've been going to a lot of 12-step meetings and uh, doing pretty well in my recovery. My question is, how do I get a pardon? Uh, that's that's an interesting question. I want to go through it for a moment. Uh, I'm assuming you were convicted of a felony, correct? Actually, I had, I had to plead to two felonies okay. in yeah. All right. Normally, I would uh, the pardon is probably the hardest thing on this planet to get. You apply for a pardon and it goes through a pardon committee that's set up by the governor. And they almost never, ever grant a pardon. It is just short of impossible to get. And then the governor has to issue the pardon, which about three quarters of the time the governor doesn't anyway. So you've got a one in a zillion chance uh, that you're to, to get a pardon on the governor's desk, and then you have a one out of four chance that you're that the governor is going to give you the pardon, is going to sign off on it. So a pardon is out of the question. Now, okay, the, what if I what if I pay somebody off? <laughs> that's Sorry. yeah, it's great. Unfortunately, there's too many people to pay off, including the governor. Right. Now the other one is an expungement of the record. And that is far easier to get, which is why we're talking about, uh, I asked you why you get a felony. If you get a misdemeanor, that becomes an easy one. They'll, they can expunge that. Uh, a felony is much more difficult to get. And uh, now the other situation can, is this a crime that can be brought to a misdemeanor? And then an expungement is easier to get. And I don't even know if uh, robbing a store, this was an armed robbery, was it? Well, Bill, I, it was a dumb robbery. No, no, um, no, no. I, I don't care. Dumb robbery does not exist in the law. All right. Uh, and, no, nobody, nobody was physically. Okay. Hurt. Now, no and you still haven't asked the question. Yeah. And, was it an armed robbery? I pled guilty to two Class B felonies for robbery. Okay, I, I don't know. Is right. that is is that include armed robbery? And I again, uh, there it, there's a reason well, I'm here's, asking here's this. A, I'm not really sure. Uh, I did not have a, any weapon. All right, did not I have pretend, a weapon. I okay, pretend that I had a gun. Okay, and I don't know if that's considered an armed uh, an armed yeah. uh, robbery. It, it was it was violent, and I've turned. Yeah, and it may be, and it may be, and uh, Bill, it may be that that cannot be expunged because of the nature of the crime, and certainly it's you're not going to be pardoned. Uh, and if you are going to be pardoned, it's years yeah. and years down the road. So you know what. You get to live, oh, so that's okay. uh, and you get to live having uh, been a convicted felon, okay. and you've gone to college, and you straighten your life around. That's even probably a better selling point. Well, to- here's here's who I owe it to, Bill: the co-occurring disorders court in the state of Maine. Uh, their rigorous program helped me to avoid a 12-year prison sentence. Um, I listen to Handle on the Law every every weekend, um, and I will continue to work to get better, to do better. Uh, I knew a guy, my first sponsor, actually, he got a pardon. He got a pardon? Where? He got a pardon in California? 
uh, knowing the East Coast. Yeah, I okay. I don't know anything about the East Coast, but good luck. Now, the, where was the conviction? The conviction was uh, in. Did you say in Maine? Yes. Well, uh, you know in, what? In, in Maine, it may be it may be very very different in Maine because that's where the pardon comes. It's where you're convicted. What you have right. is a conviction in Maine. You don't have a conviction in California. And then you go and you apply for the pardon, and I don't know how you do it. And maybe it's easier, I hope, for your sake. Uh, I really do, because you sound like oh. uh, you, you sound like a kind of guy that really has straightened his life out or uh, uh, straightened his, turned his life around. And as you were describing what a wonderful human being you now are, I almost threw up. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not goody two shoes, but I, I take it yes, you are. seriously. Yeah, no, you are. Wrong. No, you are a goody and two I'm shoes. Just... Yeah, you are. But still, uh, give it a shot. And uh, there may be in Maine a, a very different issue. All right. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Dell. Uh, hi, Dell. Welcome. Dell, you there? Hello? Yes, ma'am. Who's this? This is Bill. Who's this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know you were still answering me. Okay. Uh, did, did you hear the question? Or uh, I, no, you have to ask the question again. Okay. Well, we purchased a property that was on a, one of those tax auctions, and we overbid, of course, because we were, it was everybody was running and bidding higher and higher. Anyway, it's for tax purpose, and the tax purpose, the fellow that owned it didn't pay, you know, very much, and so went back to the uh, county. Okay. So anyway, we overbid, of course, and there's a big chunk of money sitting there. They said that if nobody claims it, it goes back to the county. So I'm wondering, can I claim it? No, no. It, it's, it goes to the uh, owner of the property or it goes to the county. If it was a sheriff's auction, it is the county that owns the property. Now, did you – geez, you sound like you're going to die on me, Dell. Yeah, no, no. Okay, did uh, – when you talk about overbidding, did you bid yeah. more than the actual cost of the property? In other words, if the property went, for example, $100,000, did you pay yeah. Did you pay $110,000? Yes, over. <laughs> over what the cost of oh, the actual bid price? Yeah, well, I think you can probably go for it because effectively really? you bought it for X number of dollars and you end up paying more. Now, how did you end up paying more than the actual bid price? Explain that one to me. Because everybody ran it up, and it was in one of those um, oh, one wait, of wait, wait, wait. companies. Hold on. Wait a second. Yeah. You uh-huh. said everybody ran it up. What? Was, let me just start talking real numbers. What was the yeah. sale price, Dell? Okay. The county, the, you know, they owned the county about uh, thirty to 40000 and we kept bidding on it until it got up to over two. Over $200,000. But that's yeah. what you paid yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, that's not overbidding. That's actually what you paid for it. The fact that the uh-huh. county sells it for taxes doesn't uh-huh. matter. They, uh, if you owed five dollars and that they owed five dollars in taxes, yeah. and the county mm-hmm. foreclosed on it for taxes, uh, right. you're out of luck. Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. Uh, good, good for you. You have absolutely no case, none. Ah, oh, fantastic. That makes me feel good. This is handle on the law.